Well, I think uh, for me, the, the game four was was pivotal. You know, Hanshin was coming off a 5-4 loss in game three. So they really needed uh, a win in game four. And uh, and they won that game 4-3. Uh, it allowed them to tie the series uh, with another game left in Koshien and arguably their best pitcher, Otake, going in, the, in game five. So that game four was really, really important. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's Japan Forward Sports Talk podcast. Episodes are um, archived on both the Japan Forward website and also Sports Look. Uh, today's topic is the Japan Series, seven-game classic showdown between the Oryx Buffaloes, defending champion from 2022, and the Hanshin Tigers. The first all-Kansai Japan Series since 1964. Jim, how are you doing today? And thanks for joining the podcast. I'm doing good, Ed. How are you today? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, can't complain too much. That's good. It's a nice uh, nice day today. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, cooler. Uh, good, good day to go out for a walk. Yeah, if you like rain. <laughs> Carry an umbrella or a baseball bat. No, just kidding. One <laughs> of the, not not the bat, right? It doesn't really shade the rain too much. Um, no. So we're 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 five days since the last game was played and the final pitch there on Sunday night. Um, you've had a few days to think about it and just sort of to digest the drama from the seven games. What were your general impressions of the Japan series as the guy writing the stories game after game? Well, for me, I, I think it's I've, I've been in Japan for over 35 years and that Japan series would have to rank up there as, as one of my favorites. Um, just for some of the historical things you mentioned at the opening, the first all Kansai Japan series in what was it, 59 years? That's right. Since 1964, it was the Hawks. And um, who was the other team? Quickly fill me in. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh oh. <laughs> Let's get back to that. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, it, it was it was very historical and Hanshin winning their first title since 1985. And just in terms of the the overall atmosphere, I thought at the um, at Koshien and and at Kyocera Dome, it was one of the most memorable Japan series that I've ever witnessed. Do you think the proximity of the of the two you know the two cities, and also just the rich, uh, the rich culture of baseball from an outdoor perspective. And you know, it connects to both the Koshien with the the national summer tournament, but also just a, a team that hasn't had great success. You know, like the Giants throughout most of the decades. So you sort of have that build up with, um, yeah, the great team of recent years, the Buffaloes, third straight Japan series. And then you have the Tigers, you know, who are who are in very rarely. So it added sort of a novelty to it as well. Yeah, I think that's correct. And and the fact that it was an all Kansai series um, made it unique. And um, I think um, I think everyone everyone enjoyed that series, maybe with the exception of Yomiuri fans. 
but it was a it was a very exciting series. It was you know went went the full seven games, and it was sort of a seesaw event. Um, there were some really tight games. There were some blowouts. Uh, there were some games that were fundamentally sound, and then there were some games that weren't. So I think it was a, it really was a series that offered that had a little bit of everything. Yeah, you, you talk about uh, the blowouts, but also then, you, so you go from game one and game two, 8-0 Hanshin, 8-0 Oryx, back-to-back. Then Oryx wins game three, five-to-four. Hanshin comes back and wins game four, four-to-three. So it was just uh, one punch after another, if you're thinking of the boxing analogy. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very exciting to see the, the two teams go at it in that fashion. And, and I think the fans really got into it in both stadiums. Just to correctly uh, update what we were talking about before. Yeah. 1964 was Hawks and Tigers. Right. Right. <laughs> it's good. Good to so, have that um, on record. It, as a general, general point, Jim, what was there a particular highlight or moment to you that really became the defining moment of this series? Or is that too difficult of a thing to narrow down to one thing? Well, I think uh, for me, the, the game four was was pivotal. You know, Hanshin was coming off a 5-4 loss in game three. So they really needed uh, a win in game four. And uh, and they won that game 4-3. Uh, it allowed them to tie the series uh, with another game left in Koshien and arguably their best pitcher, Otake, going in, the, in game five. So that game four was really, really important. And how and how did the players um, handle the like the last say seventh eighth and ninth innings? Were they? I'm talking about Hanshin here. Do you think they uh, sort of really just um, embraced the pressure and and sort of relaxed, or do they? How did it seem to you? Like were they tight? Were they just sort of a couple guys got just really stepped up? Well, the the end of the game was. Um... <clears throat> was rather interesting. Um, the, as you may recall, the uh, Oryx manager intentionally walked two batters to load the bases in the ninth, which was quite an unusual strategy. Um, I think he walked um, Nakano and uh, Morishita, and then that brought up uh, Oyama, as you know, and and then he hit a clutch single for the walk-off win. Um, so that was a very interesting end to the, into the game. And it put the move to load the bases, put a lot of pressure on the Oryx reliever. Uh, you can just imagine pitching in Cochian, in Cochian, what was, what that was like for the reliever. It must've been a, a very pressure packed situation. Was it, was also the flip side of that, uh, in your mind, uh, maybe, um, Nakajima, the manager Nakajima's uh, thought process that, hey, going into this um, ninth inning, into this series, uh, through this series so far, um, Oyama is only, you know, two for 15, where he's sort of the guy, the coldest guy in the batting lineup. We should put the pressure on him to try to, he's the ideal guy to be up there batting because he's not hitting very well. Yeah, you can you can make that argument, I guess. But I mean, throughout the regular season, he was one of their best hitters. 
And, um, you know, in a short series, uh, batters can go a game or two without any hits and everybody gets, you know, all excited. Oh, he's in a slump. He's in a slump. But, you know, everything gets magnified in, in a short series. And um, I just thought it was interesting to to load the bases uh, for him and then to have him come through. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, if he had hit 50 home runs this year, you know, and entered the entered the playoffs with like, you know, 20 home runs in the last 20 games, like that kind of uh, strategy of, of walking two guys to get to him would have been even more magnified where maybe you would have walked him rather than the other guys, you know, the opposite thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a gamble, uh, definitely. And, and you can make the argument that, that he was, he was doing the right thing. The manager was doing the right thing, but, um, it, it sort of backfired on him. Let me, let me shift the topic here for a moment to the Hanshin Tigers and manager Akinobu Okada. When you look at his decision-making throughout the year, just the way he approached running the team, I'm sorry, the Tigers manager. When you think of how Okada managed the team and uh, how he managed the team in the Japan series, was there any really noticeable difference in his approach? Um, I don't think so. I think he pretty much um, went with his strengths in the series. Um, maybe the only surprise for me was that he sent uh, – Hiroto Saiki to the to the mound in game three instead of Otake. Uh, but as I mentioned before, that was a decision that, that proved out to be a good decision. Uh, you know, he knew his team was blessed with great hitters, and uh, he just let them do their thing. And you look at that that hunch in lineup, and you've got a guy like uh, Seiya Kinami. He, he batted eighth in the order and ended up hitting 400. I mean, that's that's quite a luxury to have when your number eight hitter can hit 400. And can you remind the listeners roughly, or if you know exactly how many games was he in the lineup? Did he play every game? He played every game. So he was really, really productive and really, uh, really instrumental actually in helping uh, the offense. He was. And, and defensively he was good. Um, you know, he plays shortstop and they turned a lot of double plays, you know, so he was a he was a key player for them, I thought. When you consider the career that uh, Koji Chikamoto has had so far, I believe this is this was his fifth season for Hanshin. Did you consider him a top tier star before the Japan series? And if not, what are your impressions of him now as he reached that upper echelon? Well, I, you know, I've always been a Hanshin fan, and um, so I've always been impressed with him. Um, he's a great player. He can hit. He can steal bases. He's good defensively. Um, it, you know, I thought it was great that he got to shine on the big stage, and I expect his winning the MVP will raise his profile. I, I would definitely, you know, if you're looking at Japan's national team, I think he's a player that that could be on that team. Um, Definitely think he would help. How would you rate his defense uh, and just outfield arm skills and the way he the way he manages that part of his game? I would say it's better than average, but really his strengths are his hitting and his stealing abilities. As as the leadoff hitter, uh, he he can really 
set the table for the uh, the next three or four batters in the order. So I think that's his strength. But he's not, you know, he's not a liability in the outfield. That's for sure. A couple of minutes ago, we were discussing, uh, you know, how how energized the crowd gets at Koshien and just the, you know, the that factor in terms of having a big big stadium. Did you feel that that home field advantage really did play into Game Five then for Hanshin? Uh, well, well, look. Let's face it. Any any game at Koshien um, is, is an advantage for the Tigers. I mean, that's that's a difficult place to play if you're the visiting team. It's a it's a huge stadium. The fans are are probably the noisiest fans anywhere in Japanese baseball. So um, it definitely gives Hanshin an advantage. Um, but or- Oryx was able to win a game there. And then when you had, you know, you had Oryx or sorry, Hanshin playing at Kyocera Dome. Well, they play a lot of games there during the regular season. Uh, of course, their fans were there. At times, it almost seemed like it was uh, it was a home game for them at, at Kyocera Dome. And, and how about in game six, uh, looking at the drama that took place in game five and then, you know, the Tigers taking a 3-2 lead. How big was the fan support for Yamamoto in that pivotal game six that set up game seven? Well, you know, fan support is always is always nice to have. But the, the fact is that Yamamoto uh, pitched a great game when he really needed to. Um, he got, as you know, he got shelled in game one. Uh, and in, in his previous start in the Climax series, he also had a rough out and giving up something like five runs in seven innings. So he really needed to come up big in that game six, and he did. I mean, Japan Series record, 14 strikeouts. Uh, he was just overpowering, a good mix of all his pitches. And it was it was a huge clutch performance for him, one that I'm sure the uh, MLB scouts were impressed with. Just just a quick follow-up to that uh, point about Yamamoto. Was there a particular point in the game where you really sensed that his um, his strikeout ability was at the top of his, you know, the upper level that he could have, where he was really, really fooling the, the opposing hitters? And there's just a continuity with that with that last pitch, with the with the out pitch. Well, I think he uh, you know, as you recall in that game, he he got off to a bit of a slow start. Um, Oryx had a 2-1 lead early. Uh, but once once he settled down sort of in the middle innings, that's when he really started to cruise. And that's when he really started to strike out more batters. And, and it started to dawn on me anyways that he could go all the way. And, and that's what he did. And as you... Uh, as you noted, he had something like 136 pitches. 138. 138, right. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was an impressive performance, to say the least. We, we touched upon the unpredictability of the, of the series a little bit before, but I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the, uh, the fielding. 
and they combined for 16 errors. I didn't look this up to, you know, compare to uh, top five most errors in a series going back, you know, 50 years or whatnot. But it seemed like they kind of came in droves too. Like there was some really good plays and then boom, 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 sloppiness, you know, sort of uh, took over for several of these games. Do you think that really added to the unpredictability of the series? Just the fact that both teams struggled to uh, make probably more to good plays than they might not to make as many good plays as they probably usually do. Well, I think it was, you know, it was pressure. There was a lot of pressure and, um, you know, in, in those situations, players are going to make mistakes. Um, you know, there's there's this notion that Japanese players are better fundamentally than than their MLB counterparts. Um, you often hear that claim made anyways. Uh, but the fact is, you know, baseball is a difficult game and, and it's a humbling game in many ways and, and players are going to make mistakes. And uh, I think there was one time in the series when Hunch and third baseman Sato made an error and uh, he was taken out in the next inning. And I don't know if it was directly because of that error or he was just being replaced with a pinch hitter, but uh, he didn't last long in that game. And then, yeah, of I course, the there was... That, I seem to recall that too. Is either game four or five, right? Yes, yeah. And you remember the one play when Nakano and Morshta made uh, two errors on the one play? Yeah. Yeah. That was almost a part of like a baseball bloopers from the old highlights reels or something. Yeah, it reminded me of my softball team on a Sunday morning when we're all hung over. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was game five. And, and you know, when they made those errors, I thought Oryx was leading to nothing at the time. I thought... Jesus, you know, Hanshin's not going to win this series. But then Morishita hit that clutch triple in the eighth and they scored those six runs. And and that was also a, a huge momentum shift. Yeah, the, the wheels just fell off for the Oryx bullpen in that particular case. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, Oryx used that guy Udagawa who pitched... I think in almost every game and he came in and and gave up those runs and, and uh, you know, he's normally a very solid reliever. Quick, quickly, Jim, um, a couple last possible points here. Do you, do you think the, the current makeup of the Oryx roster without Yamamoto next year, when he heads to the major leagues, do you think that team is sort of still built to contend for a title next season? I, I think it is. I mean, it's it's always tough to lose a pitcher like that. I mean, remember when Tanaka went to the Yankees and, you know, what happened to Rock 10 after that? They they just fell off the map, basically, and uh, haven't really been competitive since. But I, I think Oryx is different. I think they've got um, a very talented team. They've got a lot of young players, um, guys like Kurabayashi, who really impressed me in this series. Uh, he, he's what, I think only 21. Uh, so I think the future is bright for them. Yeah. He turned 21 in February. So yeah, he, he's one of the young guys and 
it looked in this series that a lot of key players in both teams were under the age of 25. Both, both you know, fielding player, uh, you know, position players, but also pitchers even. Yeah, I think the future is bright for for both of those teams. Um, they've got a lot of young players, and and Okada said that after the uh, after the Tigers won, he said we got a lot of young players, and we hope to be competitive for a long time, and I think they will be. Much to the uh, chagrin of uh, Yomiuri fans. Yeah. Anybody else that stuck out stood out to you who sort of was less heralded or less less well known on either team? Well, you know, I, as I mentioned before, uh, Morishta was was very impressive in that series. Uh, he's a rookie. Um, he he stood out. And then you know the the pitcher Murakami for the for Hanshin, he's also a rookie. I thought he was very impressive. And uh, you know, as I said, for Oryx, uh, Kurebashi was was the most impressive to me. What about I'd you? Like to, I'd like to toss out one name. I thought in Game Three, uh, Kohei Azuma uh, came in and gave up five hits and one run and. In uh, his start, I think five five innings, setting the tone for Oryx there. Yeah, yeah, that was. Very and he's impressive. only twenty three years old himself. Yeah, yeah, he he pitched a great game. So both teams are are stocked with a lot of good young talent. I think. So as a seven game series and as an all concise series, we don't see this every year and. Um, you know, stranger things have happened that it might be a repeat next year, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, that, that could happen. They're, they're two very good teams. Did you have any parting thoughts that you wanted to make? Um, anything in particular? Um, not really. I mean, I just, uh, as I said earlier, I really enjoyed the series. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was fun to watch. Um, the Hanshin fans were relatively well-behaved uh, in, in the uh, post-series celebrations. Uh, nothing bad happened. There, there were less than less than 100 uh, jumped into the canal. So that was uh, kind of a small number, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they had a lot of security down there. So I think it was, um, you know, everyone was well-behaved. Well, thank you for your reporting throughout the past couple of weeks, Jim, and for deadline writing. And um, I enjoyed uh, selecting the photos and working with you on all these stories. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to uh, doing it again next year. Yeah, well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in uh, live and or when this is on the podcast platforms. We appreciate your, your support and your interest in Sports Look and Japan Forward. Please follow us on X at Sports Look JP.